because I saw myself as damaged, not as a whole person. And distrusting because if you share a secret, right, especially as a young girl, girls can be very hard on one another, right? We're not very kind. And so I was very distrusting. I was bullied. And so all that led to this huge lack of self-confidence. And so by sharing this book, I'm hoping that a few things come out of it. That I encourage people to share their story because we heal by sharing. I hope I give people permission to share their story because it's being very vulnerable and it can be difficult to do. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, my friend. Have you ever felt isolated because of a secret you've been holding on to? It can be a heavy burden. My guest this week is Gail Petrillo. She's the founder of First Impressions Image Consulting. A chance encounter at a critical moment inspired Gail to come out of hiding after 65 years of keeping her secret. She's written a memoir called The Accident, where she shares her story of growing up as a burn survivor, overcoming multiple obstacles, and turning them into triumphs. I can't wait for you to hear her story. So without further ado, here's Gail Petrillo. Let's go. Hey, Gail. Thanks for being with me today. Good morning. Nice to be here. So I just, first of all, want to thank Jack Perez for introducing us as you're another cool life category expert, right? Yes, I am. I've been with her since the beginning. So how long has that been? She's been, how long has she had cool life going now? Four years, maybe. Four years. Incredible what she's pulled together, right? It is. For anybody listening right now who doesn't know what cool life is, first of all, it's spelled K-U-E-L. And uh, Jack is just a pro-aging advocate, fierce for women, and it's a community, and it's it's a great community. It's really a low price to join as a member for Cool Life, and then you get access to like all this. Sh- anyway, I'm turning it into a commercial, but um, <laughs> but I'm a believer, and uh, what she's done is amazing, and it's great to meet you. So Thank cool. you. You as well. Yeah. Well. So, Gail, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I'm excited. Um, I think I want to start with the fact that you have a, a long-term career in healthcare, but now you're an entrepreneur, and you have been for five years now. Did you say you had your five-year anniversary? Yeah, I celebrated my five-year anniversary in March. And I have a very long history in healthcare um, on the administrative side, not the clinical side. And I've done everything from clinical research in the fields of rheumatology and neurology and many other specialties to running big hospital departments, large medical groups, and everything there in between. I kept getting promoted and promoted through this large medical center. And fast forward a number of years, I worked in in Tucson for a number of years and had an opportunity to apply for a 
director position for a large healthcare conglomerate, Banner Health. And in looking at that job description, it was my resume. And so I applied knowing I was in Tucson, they were in Phoenix, who knew what would happen? And lo and behold, I was offered the job. So my husband, Al, we've been married 42 years this year. Um, my best friend, most avid supporter, he's yeah. amazing. He said, you have to go for it. So he stayed here in the house. I got an apartment condo in Phoenix and we did a commute thing. And I was with Banner for three and a half years and then got recruited to be the best job of my life. I was asked to be the executive director of a very large multi-specialty independent medical practice. And I did that about a year and a half, loved it. Loved my docs, had 200 staff, several locations. It was just amazing. And during that year and a half, we lost my father, my brother-in-law and my father-in-law. And all three of those calls came while I was in Phoenix and Al was in Tucson. Oh. And so I just went to my board one day after just really doing some soul searching and said, I can't do this anymore. I have to go back home. And one of my board members, who's a physician said, don't leave us, we'll buy your home in Tucson and move you here. And Al and I talked about it and that's not really where we wanted to be. We wanted to be in Tucson. So that launched my entrepreneurship in that, you know, we all, at least I think, we all feel as though our identity is attached directly to not just who we are, but what we do, our title as an employee, whatever, right? Oh, very so much so. I had so. this big title. I was the executive director. I was, you know, blah, 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 and had these amazing experiences and um, latitude on what I did and who I did it with. I created a, a management team and just so many wonderful things. And I come back to Tucson and I was looking for something that didn't exist. I wanted to duplicate that job, salary, um, independence, great team. And I couldn't find that here. And my brilliant husband said to me with your HR experience, cause a lot of what I had done was either directly related to the human resources arena. And so Al said to me, why don't you start an HR consulting firm? People need your skills. And I do what I tell my clients to do, which is make a list of pros and cons. And the con list was way longer than the pro list, <laughs> in part because of the liability attached. But I didn't want to do employee relations anymore. I didn't want to do the comp and benefits anymore. And what I really decided I wanted to do was mentor people and help make their first impression their best. Because over time, I've learned Many times I was offered jobs that were never advertised because people knew who I was. And so I help my clients with resumes, interview preparation, negotiation strategies, because it's usually not the best idea to accept the first offer given. Um, networking skills, because again, you learn who your next employer may be from networking. Um, and then I do the image consulting part, which is the wardrobe and closet transformations and analysis. And so that in a nutshell is what I've been doing for five years. And I've just, wow. I've had a ball doing it. I got a call yesterday. Yesterday was a really tough day. My, we moved my mom here after she had a stroke. She was oh. living in Florida and we moved her here during COVID a year and a half ago. 
And so I spend a lot of time with her. And she had taken a fall yesterday, and so it was just not a good day. And I was on my way to a girly event, sip and paint kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think I should go. I'm tired. And my husband was like, no, go. You need this. Go. And in the car, I got a phone call from a woman who met me through a huge networking group. And she said, I don't know if you remember me because we've met online. And she said, I was just invited to do a speaking engagement on the national stage. And I need help with my image. I need help with the PR piece, with what I look like, what I'm going to wear, how I So we start working together on Monday. I'm so excited. Congratulations. That's hey. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's it just goes to show like the... I have to tell you, Gail, like the, the, the whole networking thing, I used to feel very icky about networking, you know, just like dirty word in my mind. And what I've really come to realize, like through, through doing, um, you know, having my own business and, and I have to say really the podcast and having to meet people for the podcast, get guests, do all the things has required me to step way outside my comfort zone in, in, in networking with people. Um, and now I, I realize how, how powerful it can be when you approach it in a way that is about the human connection you know, and I and I get that sense from you. You're very relatable. Maybe yeah, that, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I networking. You know, can be quite challenging. It's very intimidating to walk into a room of 120 people. Oh, my complete line. nightmare! My complete right. nightmare. When I go to one of those events, um, and I see like, you know, first of all, you're in the sea of people, right? And then I see people, and maybe there's somebody who I spotted and I'm like oh they look interesting but then they're talking to somebody and then I don't want to go interrupt and it's you know it's just oh the challenges <laughs> right and there's a whole etiquette to that and that's what I work with my clients on because I'm no longer intimidated by walking into that room I used to be believe me years and years ago I had very little self-confidence I'm no longer intimidated by walking into a room where I don't know anybody um, but it took me a long time to get there. And again, I will thank my husband for pushing me in that direction. Years and years ago, when I was very lacking of self-confidence and an uh, introvert, he would take me to these networking things when, where he was working. And he would introduce me to a group of three or four people and then walk away and leave me. And so I had to figure out how to make it on my own. So I do that for my clients. I take them into networking events with chambers of commerce and other things, and they are by my side. And I take them and I introduce them to people and then I'll leave them when they're comfortable and then I'll come back for them and bring them to another group. So that's amazing. Very, that's the hardest very... part. That's amazing that you do that for them because yeah. that's yeah. the hardest part is getting in and, and starting. Like once I'm in, I can I can get in the conversation and roll with it. But it's the it's the starting that's the right. hard part. Right. Well, now, when you're, you're not alone. That I mean. It's interesting, I just wanna share because there's a favorite quote of mine. Um, it's from the Disney movie um, Tangled and Rapunzel says it. And she says, venture out of your comfort zone, the rewards are worth it. 
the the rewards are always on the other side of getting out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Right? And I've learned that over and over and over again in my years. So Oh my gosh. So you had this. So I want to go back because I feel like I took you far afield here, but okay. so you were having a bad day and then you decided to go do the sipping thing, the sipping paint or whatever it was. And and boom, you get a phone call from this woman right and then how did the sipping thing happen how did it go to be there did that happen on the way there did it happen on the way back what was this had the call came in while i was driving okay going to my girlfriend's home there were about 14 of us women from a networking group and we've just started getting in person again with covid Mm -hmm. and so we went to this one woman's home and she had a beautiful spread of great healthy salad stuff and chicken breast and all kinds of wonderful goodies for dessert that weren't so healthy. <laughs> um, and we either brought our own alcohol or wine or whatever, and we brought bottles to share. And we sat around her dining room table and it was led by two women, one whom, whom of which is the owner. It's called Lucky Cat Social Art. And this is what she does. She brings her paints and um what we did we were all given so it cost twenty dollars and we were all given flower pots and we painted flower pots and there were um i also belong to a a women's group it's called daughterhood Mm -hmm. and it's for all of us of any age that are supporting our ill parents spouses friends whatever and it's a support group and i've never been one for support groups honestly um and i'll get to that in a minute but i was made aware of this daughterhood and it's national and we meet once a month and right now it's still on zoom but we just share experiences like my mom fell anybody i know about wound care that comes to the home or you know what's the best alert to get or just I, some of us cry, some of us laugh, some, you know, it's just, it's a great, anyway, two of those girls were there last night and I had missed our meeting during the day because I was with my mom because she had fallen. So immediately I walked in the door and they were like, oh, are you okay? What happened? We missed you today. And I told them my mom had fallen and a couple of tears fell and I just got warm hugs and felt right at home. And then the tears were gone and the happiness kicked in and I came home with three quarters of the drink I brought. Like I, I made a Cosmo and I made it in one of those to go cups, like hot cups, cold cups. Uh-huh. And if I had five sips, it was a lot. Like I didn't need the alcohol because there was so much strength and power and community around that table. It was just awesome. That is we amazing. need our girly girls, you know, we our gal do. friends. We do. Have you, have you always, I mean, you're very friendly. You, you you just exude like this warmth have you always been a person collector um no it's interesting that you put it that way probably 35 or so years ago i was playing tennis competitively and my opponent we were playing singles and my opponent happened to be one of the local news anchors and I didn't know her except by face, right? We get to the net, we shake hands, blah, blah, blah. We play, and to this day, we're super good friends, and we don't know who won the match because it was so close. 
And it didn't really matter, even though we, we were playing competitively. Afterwards, she came to the net and she said, will you go to coffee with me? And I'm like, me? You want to go to, like, you're a person, right? You're like a celebrity and you want to have lunch or coffee with me. Like, I didn't get it. And as our relationship grew, she said, you're much like I am. You collect people because you know when you meet someone that they're your community, they're your family. You know that intrinsically. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm I'm now a people collector, I guess, in a good way. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I, you know, it's I've been just this this year. Um, community is the big thing on my mind. It's um, I think as we get older, it can be easy to find ourselves isolated. Um, and I'm realizing more and more that I need to get out of my comfort zone to ask for help when I need it, to reach out more often, to have those connections, you know, um, because, you know, loneliness is just, it stinks. It stinks. And, and I think not, they're mo- and it's not healthy for us, right? It is not. They're showing now. It's it's actually it causes health problems. It- Absolutely, you're right. And um, for women in particular, it's very hard for us to ask for help. You know, um, we're we're kind of brought up and encouraged that we can do everything. We have to do everything. Right. We have to manage the house. We have to have an outside job. We have to manage the kids. We have, you know, all of that. And so it's a real diversion to self-identify that, wait a minute, I don't have to do it all. I can't do it all. I need help with X. Mm. Right. Ask hubby to cook dinner tonight. Ask a friend to pick up something, you know, a prescription at the drugstore for mom because she lives closer. I mean, People are willing to help you. I've learned that, but they don't know until you ask. That is so amazingly true. And so often we sit and and think, oh, I'm all alone. Oh, nobody cares. Oh, blah, blah, blah. But the the fact is, is that we haven't told people how to help us. Exactly. Right? I have a question for you. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about this like change you made from this long career as really, you know, in healthcare, but as an employee, tell me a little bit about like becoming an entrepreneur later in life. How has that been for you, that transformation? And were you afraid to step into it? What have you learned? Like, what did you, what do you wish you'd known? What have you learned? I have so many questions. (laughs) I love it. So Yes, I was very afraid. And I kept saying, I can't do this. I have no experience in this. I can't do this. And people would reach out and say, oh, you need a business coach. I don't have money to hire a business coach because I don't have a business, right? Right. And so I do, I've always done a lot of networking and I started by networking and talking about my goal, what I wanted to do and asking, do you know anybody that needs help with a resume? I'm really good at that. I'll charge 15 bucks, sorry. I'll charge $15 and I will help them. And they'd be like, $15, you can't do that. You have to charge $50. And I was like, $50? 
and then it would get up to 85 and now it's 125 so you learn right and right because you, you can't stay in business if you're charging 15 dollars, right, right? right i had to learn this the hard way with photography by the way like yes I you bet. cannot stay in business if you don't charge enough to keep yourself in business and then you're not right. helping anybody but the other the other piece of that is you have to recognize that you're good at this right mm -hmm. you're going to succeed because you've got the skill set you've got a great eye for photography i have a great eye to identify what will make someone successful in the pile of 100 resumes that a recruiter is going to look at right what makes you stand out it's content um, and so I was very fortunate right off the bat, people who knew me from my prior career would say, oh, my daughter needs help or my neighbor mentioned her. And that's how I grew it. And I've always been a clothes horse. Ever since I started babysitting, my money went to buying clothes <laughs> and I'm only 410. And so clothes were real difficult for me to find. And We'll get into the book a little bit, I would assume in a minute, but I'm a burn survivor and I have scars on my chest. And so wearing clothes can be difficult because if they're not soft, um, they can irritate. And so there's a lot of missteps. Um, I never did hire a business coach. I just have been very fortunate. My background is business and accounting and so with my MBA, I'm able to kind of understand what it takes. I've done marketing for companies my whole life as part of what I've done. And so it was a natural progression for me to identify, you know, the collateral I need and whatnot. But having said that, what I really still struggle with is social media. So after getting very frustrated, I hired a social media person. And Mm -hmm. I redid my website about two years ago. I didn't do it. I hired somebody to do it because my husband and I had done the first iteration, which was very elementary. And I hired a guy who did Wix. I am not a tech person at all. And so I hire somebody to post all my stuff once a month. And I don't worry about that now. And so I can really focus on meeting with my clients, building my clients' confidence, building their portfolio, their collateral, whatever it is. And it yeah, works. You're, you're in your zone of genius and you're hiring out the stuff that you're not good at. Right, hiring, it right? took me a while to get the confidence to know that I needed help mm -hmm. and to say, I can now afford to hire consultants to do the things that I either don't want to do, don't know how to do, don't want to learn how to do. Now I'm 68 and so I know what I'm good at. I know where my strengths are and I tend to stay in those arenas. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you, you mentioned your burns on your chest and this is something else that I really wanted to make sure we talk about today uh, because you have a new book called The Accident. And I guess what I'm curious about is you wrote this book after years of not telling anybody that you had been a burn victim. And I am curious about, I mean, you, you held this secret for a long time. 
And what prompted you then to share your story? You know, it's a, that's a great question because what, what I'm learning is we all have secrets and the timing has to be the right place, the right people, all of that to share your story comfortably. And so I was burned as a toddler at two and a half. I reached over, I was climbing onto a table and I reached over one of those very large percolators full of coffee mm. to get a cookie. And I spilled the coffee percolator off the table and all over me. Oh my goodness. So I had 40 degree burns over, no, third degree burns over 40% of my body. Um, my parents didn't know if I would live or die. Every parent's nightmare, really yes. right there, just awful. Yes. And so that was 65 and a half years ago. And I never told anyone. Obviously, as you're growing up and you're dating and things get personal, people see, they ask, they whatever. But all the years growing up, I did everything I could. And there are stories in the book about hiding my physical appearance from everybody, putting a towel around me, going into um, the, what do you call it? Into the bathroom stall to change. Like to this day, I basically don't change in front of other girls even. I just, I don't. Um, but what made me come and share my story. So when I launched my business five years ago, I did it to get my name out there among people in the community that didn't know me by doing a fashion show. Because I thought at the time, the largest piece of my business would be in image consulting, helping people dress the part, mm -hmm. right? Whatever that part was. And so I did a fashion show and the, and it was a, it was a fundraiser for a local nonprofit that is actually international beads of courage. Um, I met the founder, Jean, through a mutual friend who sat on her board. And I was explaining, I want to have this event. I want to be a fundraiser. She introduced me to Jean. We just hit it off. And I was like, okay, you're the benefactor. So year one, I had about 85 people in the audience. And it was a full afternoon event. There were models on the runway, people I knew that were my models, friends, family, colleagues. And I dressed them all out of their closet. There was entertainment. It was it was a great event. Second year, I had 200 people in my audience. Jean's Beads of Courage was again my benefactor. Um, similar, except Steinmart wanted to be a big sponsor. So all my models, again, who I chose, men and women, girls and boys, it was multicultural. It was, it was amazing. Um, and again, there was entertainment. We had somebody local from a high school. It was a dance team that was on America's Got Talent. They were on my stage. I had a magician. Anyway, I digress. So Jean and I are talking behind stage while the entertainment is going on on the runway. And I live vicariously through her because her organization is international. I'm always, Jean, where have you been? And she's like, I've been to the Orient. I've been to Australia whatever and so we were backstage and i said okay tell me where you've been and she said you know it's funny haven't done much traveling um i just spent three days working at children's phoenix hospital in the burn unit with burn 
survivors and their family. That's what I did. I just went blank. I tried to open my mouth literally and nothing would come out. And at that very second, the MC was calling me to the podium. Oh my goodness. And I walked out. I'm one of these people. I have my speech all done, right? And I walk out and I put my speech on the podium and I look out at this audience of 200 people. I probably knew 185 of the people in my audience because people brought friends and family that I didn't know. And the only person in the audience that knew me, my whole story was my husband. And so I stood there for a minute and I realized I was tearing and I wiped the tears. I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's a surprise for me as much as you. And I said, I was just talking to Jean backstage and she mentioned spending three days with her and survivors. I wish my family and I had had that kind of support when I was burned at two and a half. The whole room, like right, there's coffee cups and food and plates and silver. Not a sound. Oh my goodness. And then I just went on with the program. I did my spiel, Jean came out, blah, blah, blah. Two and a half hours later, the event is over. And some people came up to me and were quite upset with me. You never told me, why wouldn't you share that with me? I'm like, I didn't share it with anybody. Don't take it so personally, right? Yeah. And other people were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. How is it possible? You know, and this one woman whose family is very well known in town, I did not know her, but I knew of her. They were the recipients of Extreme Home Makeover. At the time, it was about 10 years prior because um, her daughter was born with a blood cancer. Mm. And Kathy approached me and she said, I'm Kathy Bell and I, we've never met, but you've got a story and I want to hear your story. And I'm like, no, nope, I don't have a story, but you do. And I want to hear yours. So long story short, we kept meeting week after week after week for about three months. That was September when we met. By the end of December, after the holidays, she had convinced me that I had a story to tell. This was January of 2020. I met my mom in Florida. My sister flew from upstate New York and the three of us had a 10 day vacation. And over dinner and lots of wine one night, I said, so guys, I've been asked and encouraged to tell my story. And I love my mother to death. She looks at me and she says, what story is that? And I'm like, oh my goodness, being a burn survivor. And she's like, oh, and then she shut down. She wouldn't talk about it. And which I totally understand. And she said, but anything you need, I'm here to support you. And my sister was of the same mindset. So I came home and as we all know, February, March hit and the world shut down. Mm -hmm. And my business totally dried up. I didn't know about Zoom. Zoom was not a thing yet. Um, my corporate clients just, right, they closed shop. I was teaching customer service and etiquette to corporate people, all of that. Anyway, I came in my office and I was pretty upset one day. And um, I was like, okay, it's time to start the book. I'm in that frame, right, frame, mind frame. And so I started typing and I wasn't quite sure. And my husband's an author among other things. And I walked into his office and I said, how do you write a book? And he was very distracted and he just said, sit down with the typewriter computer and just type. Don't worry about anything, just type. And so I did, I came in my office and I just typed. And over the next maybe month, 
I accumulated thousands and thousands of words and multiple pages. And I brought them into his office one day. I put them on his desk and I said, well, what do you think? And he said, what's this? I said, this is my story. It's going to be my manuscript. He read through it over the next couple of days, little by little. Not that it's a long book, but he really wanted to like devour it. Mm-hmm. And he came to me and he said, this is really good. He said, we need to get some people to agree because we're too close to it. Let's see if it really is something. And so we sent it to a good friend who's a ghost writer and an editor. And Lynn read it and she was immediately on the phone with me and she said, this is a book. You've got to do this. And so I started reaching out because in writing, there is a catch-22 where it's hard to get a publisher if you don't have an agent and it's hard Mm -hmm. to get an agent if you don't have a publisher and i didn't have either i had no history i've written policies and procedures that was it so i started sending it out to like children's psychological magazines and that kind of thing and i found out about this one small publisher in the carolinas and i sent a piece of the manuscript And within an hour, she emailed me back and she said, my son was injured as a toddler. He wasn't burned, but he was injured. I have to be the one to write your book or publish your book. And so from that, here it is. And it's in English and in Spanish. It's in paperback, ebook. And I had two auditory people um, read the book for Audible in English and in Spanish. Amazing, amazing. And now I'm doing speaking gigs. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought, thought? right? So Because I I overcame. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Coming out of hiding, I mean, and writing the book, I recognized the fears and phobias that I overcame, rational and irrational, from fear of heights to snakes to public speaking um, to just meeting like I never would have done this even though it's virtual and there's no harm no foul I never would have done this by this you mean our interview yeah I never Mm. ever would have done that wow um body image issues right because I saw myself as damaged not as a whole person and distrusting because if you share a secret right especially as a young girl girls can be very hard on one another right we're not very kind And so I was very distrusting. I was bullied. And so all that led to this huge lack of self-confidence. And so by sharing this book, I'm hoping that a few things come out of it, that I encourage people to share their story because we heal by sharing. I hope I give people permission to share their story because it's being very vulnerable and it can be difficult to do. And we learn about ourselves by being so vulnerable. There were bits and pieces in the manuscript that never made it into the book because they're just too personal to share. There's still bits in, like as I look at it and I still go back and reread parts of it because I find it self-motivating and self-inspiring if that's even logical. Absolutely, absolutely. To sit down and write your story I think requires a whole new level of self-awareness. I can totally see how that would um, be inspirational for yourself. Your own story is inspirational, you know? I, I have a question that I can't stop 
thinking about, Gail, which is, and, and, and if you're not comfortable answering this, let me know, but why did you feel the need to keep it a secret? I, well, there's several answers to that. The, the, the quickest one I can think of and put into words is fear, right? Fear of how people will react. I never wanted to be a victim. We learned, so I'm a peer support person for the Arizona Burn Foundation. And so I go into hospitals and I talk to more of the supporters of the burn survivor. Um, but ultimately, I speak with the burn survivor because it's so important to know that we're not alone. Um, what Whatever they're thinking and going through, many of us have been there, gone through it as well. And I always felt that I was alone. No one would want to know. No one would care. And I felt different enough. I didn't want people to ostracize me. I mean, I ostracized myself. So there's a story in the book that talks about not ever wanting to call attention to myself. I would know the answers. I was smart in school. I was smart. My grades never showed it because I knew answers, but I would never raise my hand. If I could put answers on a paper for a quiz, that was great. But to raise my hand and say, B is the answer because I never felt comfortable doing that. I didn't want attention. And so I guess I probably felt in part that by sharing, I was calling attention to myself. And I've always covered my scars, always. I mean, I'm fortunate in a way they're below here, right? So people don't naturally see them. Mm -hmm. But growing up, what was in, in style? Bikinis, right? And I had a great shape. I could have easily worn a bikini, but I wouldn't dare because my scars would show. And so, I so yeah, I was, I was wondering before, like to just to go swimming. So you're just to put on a swimsuit would be. I wear would... one pieces that are high mm -hmm. and kind of long. So like either like boxer shorts over the bottoms or mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I have a suit that I swim in to do laps to this day. And I have swimsuits that I wear in public. In my own home, when you know Fourth of July, when we had twelve people here, I didn't wear that one suit. Yeah. Did Did you do the the peer counseling before you wrote this book, or decide, or, or started to share your story? No, I did that after. So when I came out of hiding. And as the book was in publication, it wasn't available, but it was in the process. I thought, okay, what, what's my next step? Like, how do I help people who like me want to share stories, want to come out of hiding all their lives? And so I found the Arizona Burn Foundation. I found the Phoenix Burn Society out of Michigan. And I emailed through LinkedIn with them and the Arizona Burn Foundation is headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I connected with their then COO. And he introduced me to the CEO. And we met. Now it's been about 10 months. And um, we've decided part of their strategic plan is to build hubs throughout Arizona 
to support burn survivors and their families all across the straight state rather than just in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And you're helping so, to develop that? Is that what I'm hearing in what you're saying? We are developing It's incredible that. because you have this healthcare background. It's all, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, so the, COO, the CEO's name is Rex and he comes down about every two to three weeks and I pack his day from 7A to 7P <laughs> and we do coffee, wine, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with people I'm opening doors to that either own businesses, are survivors themselves, although I don't know a lot of them, um, my friends, colleagues, supporters, who want to support this effort, whether it's being a volunteer, putting money into this reserve to build these support programs and camps and all of that. And so that's, that's my next step. That is just amazing. And I and I think about this journey of yours, Gail, from from leaving this job because of family tragedy, right? And deciding to take charge of your own destiny by becoming an entrepreneur. And that leading you to oh my gosh, I just I'm so beclumped. That, I love that word. I love it too. And I'm beclumped often, <laughs> but it's just, um, it's overwhelming. It's, it's amazing to me how one decision can spur massive change. And look at the difference you're going to be making in people's lives, not only with your business, yeah. but through telling your story. It is so powerful. Our stories we all have stories they are so powerful when we can take what's been painful for us and use it to help other people yeah there's another quote if i can share and i'm looking up at it i read this every day it says turn your hurt into healing your wounds into wisdom and your pain into power and it's by Robin Sharma, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know who that is. But it's so true. And I've done that. Five, 10, 15 years ago, I, you never would have known that I would have shared a story, that I would write a book, that I would go on stage, fearful of public speaking. And I'm going on stage and telling people about the story. It's just, yeah, it's. It's Look amazing. At all the, um, unbelievable, all the fears you've overcome. Because, and here's the thing. I, I think this is very key, is when, when we have something that's important enough to us to want to share it, to want to make a difference, we can get out of our own way if we can tap into what what's important about it the why why is this important and if you can get in touch with that you can do anything right and i have to admit right i didn't do this alone i did it with a lot of supportive people from my husband to kathy who i mentioned the encouragement because you don't just sit down and write Right. At least I don't. People mm -hmm. that do it for a living. Right. I mean, that's what they do. But you, you go on this journey and to determine what gets into print and what doesn't get into print. 
and where to put the word. This belongs in this chapter. This belongs here. But I often would get ahead of myself and my sister would read pieces of it and she'd be like, how did this happen? Why are you telling this? What was people's reaction to that? In the book, I talk about going to a pajama party and two teenagers, actually they're Kathy Bell's family members who read the book before it was done. They read a manuscript part of it. And I asked them to be honest and tell me what I was missing from an 11 and 15 year old's perspective. And that helped really fill in some of the gaps because I thought, well, here's the story. And they were like, well, why did this happen? What did they think? What did they say to you? Like really help dig deep into the whys and hows. And that's what I want to share because that's what will help people heal and grow and feel comfortable in their own skin. Cause it took me 60 years to feel comfortable in my own skin. And sometimes, I mean, it's just incredible. Like everything that you're talking about is, is, is everything that I'm on a journey learning right now is community. It's putting yourself out there, letting yourself be vulnerable and trusting that people are going to be generous with you. Yeah. And you find out pretty quickly who your friends are and who your friends are not. Yes. And And that's not a bad thing, right? No, it's not because during COVID I've strengthened relationships and I've let go of relationships. Yes. And it's been very, um, Oh, intentional, very intentional. And I think that's important for us as women to think about too. If you're friends or, or work with someone or whatever, who brings you down more than brings you up, why are you in that relationship? Right? I mean, we all had bad days. I had a bad day yesterday and my friends brought me up, right? That's great. But if you're with someone who, when you come home, you're drained of power, energy, all of that, and it happens every time, rid yourself of that. That is not a friend. That is not a good relationship. And it took me to two years ago to be able to do that. Because I'm a people collector. I'm a people collector. (laughs) And you have to collect the right people so that you're there to support them in their need. And you have the reserve to do that. But then they're there to support you with their reserve to fill your cup when you need it as well. It's got to be that two-way street. And if it isn't, walk away. Hmm. Gail, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, um, I've, I've been here like wiping my yeah. eyes and blowing my nose in the background, frankly. <laughs> um, just incredible. I, I look forward to seeing where this takes you next. Um, so I hope that we can stay in touch beyond this. It's, it's, I hope that you can collect me. As yes, I, you're in my collection. Vice <laughs> versa. Absolutely. I would love that. This has been such a joy. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your, your podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been my, my true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I love Gail's spirit and courage. 
She has had to overcome body image issues, fears and phobias, and a lack of self-confidence in order to create an amazing career for herself and then become an entrepreneur and published author in her 60s. I mean, come on. One of the things that really struck me about Gail is her ability to connect with people throughout her life, even when she was feeling different and damaged. I'm so excited to see where she goes from here now that she's free from her secret and sharing her story. Isn't it funny how allowing ourselves to be vulnerable is just the most courageous and freeing thing? I might have to check back in with Gail a little farther down the line to see what the ripple effects are after this. In the meantime, if you want to get a copy of Gail's book or learn more about her image consulting business, I'll have that information for you in the show notes. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and look for episode 114. And hey, if you enjoyed today's conversation, can you do me a quick favor? Take a moment to leave a review in Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. I'm hoping to get inspiration into the ears of as many people as possible and reviews are a great way to help spread the word. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.